from WXOJLP Northampton, 103.3 FM, your Valley Free Radio Station. Welcome. I'm Warren Odestulet, and this is A Baha'i Perspective. A Baha'i Perspective is a radio program of biographical interviews of people who have either chosen the Baha'i faith as a way of life or who have a relationship with the Baha'i faith. Today I'm playing an interview with Jess Firth. Jess was born in New Zealand who studied film at university. He then moved to London and started a film production company called Quest Media Productions. Their first production is called The Wayfarer which documents his investigation of the Baha'i faith by traveling around the world. I started the interview by asking Jess to describe where he grew up and what was it like growing up there. I originally grew up in a a place called Eastbourne, which is in New Zealand, uh, in the capital city, Wellington. I grew up there, kind of, it's a very outdoorsy kind of lifestyle, lots of forests, lots of beaches. Um, Yeah, it was a really kind of real, you know, upbringing, I, I suppose you could say. I lived in New Zealand for about, I'd say, 20 years of my life, and the rest of the time I've kind of lived abroad. Um, I've been based in London for probably three of those years. I travel quite regularly back and forth from the UK, and and here I am now. (laughs) So that was kind of my upbringing, you know, quick overview up to now. You said you you left a couple of times for London growing up. Yeah, I came over originally um, to the UK when I was 18. I kind of came over for about a year and a half. Of that time, I travelled Europe and lived in France for a while as well. Uh, That was before I went back and went to university. So I went back when I was about, just about 20. Actually, no, I was 19 when I went back. Mm -hmm. And I kind of decided that I wanted to to study. So I did a Bachelor of Arts um, with a double major in anthropology and media and finished up in the end of 2005 and then left again and came back to Europe. And I lived in kind of into the, well, it was the Mediterranean Europe, really. I was in Italy and France for several months and then decided to come back to the UK and, and was really interested in documentary film, so I kind of got stuck into that here in, here in London. Now, what, what attracted you to the UK? Well... I mean, firstly, I had um, I had an ancestry visa to the UK, so it made it kind of, you know, the natural progression for me because I could live here. And also, it was for me, it was very much a a world city. I found it was very diverse, and you know, culturally, you know, very very well kind of balanced. I thought um, so. I wanted to be in a city that was thriving with people from from all around the world. So I came here and kind of the search for, I guess, inspiration and ideas. And and I did like the the idea of its kind of proximity to the rest of the world. I mean, you can pretty much jump on a plane from London and be in the Middle East, North Africa, Southeast Asia, Americas, um, anywhere, really, quite easily. For me, that was that was attractive. And describe for me what this Ancestry visa is all about. My grandfather's English. It's, it's quite commonplace for... I mean, New Zealand is... Uh, it was a colony country. It was a part of the Commonwealth, um, and it was, you know, formed by the British Empire, I suppose you could say. And so there's a huge population of New Zealanders which have ancestry or British passports. Um, so 
in a way, it's a bit of the, the motherland. A lot of New Zealanders come over and, and work and travel from this, this part of the world. And after you went back to London, you started doing documentary films? Yeah, I, um, a friend of mine um, who I studied with in New Zealand at Victoria University, uh, he arrived in London shortly after I did. We teamed up and we decided it would be a, you know, be a bit of fun to head down to Morocco. And we, um, we took a little handy cam and we made a little film really about our adventure in Morocco. And I'd always been involved in film in New Zealand and, and kind of grown up with that background. And, and he'd kind of come from a, a publishing background. So we were both kind of into the idea of creating something. And this was, you know, to begin with, was just two guys really out traveling and documenting it. Um, and we got back to London and edited it and never broadcast it or anything, but we decided that it was something that we wanted to do a bit more professionally, and we, we managed to find someone to invest in us and set us up with all the professional equipment. We were looking for a story. At that time, a friend of mine who I'd gone to high school with was serving at the Baha'i World Center in Haifa in Israel. So we thought, well, what a perfect opportunity to to go out and see what what this is all about. Also, we wanted to visit visit the Middle East and enter it through Egypt. And so we kind of went on a bit of a pilgrimage, I suppose you could say, where we we flew into Egypt, into Cairo, and we we traveled all through the area, right through Sinai and climbed Mount Sinai. And we called it the Holy Land Project to start with, um, which was really a story of our travels up through Egypt, uh, Israel, Palestine, Jordan, and you know, eventually to the Baha'i World Center. It was going to be two different stories, really. It was going to be a story of our kind of journey through this area, and then a story specifically looking at the Baha'i World Center. But as we arrived there, we realized that um, there was a much larger story to tell, and that's kind of where the, the beginning of the idea for, for the Wayfarer film came about. So tell me about the Wayfarer film. Well, the Wayfarer film is is a kind of a story about a journey to um, to understand uh, the Baha'i faith from the perspective of a, of a non-Baha'i, and it really did start with this initial visit to to the Baha'i World Center, where I was visiting my friend who was serving there, Chantal Breda. It was me being inquisitive, really, to try and find out why she was there serving as, as a Baha'i and, and more about what, what the religion was about because I knew very little and the research that we had done before we went out there was, was really just skimming the surface. And I realized, you know, after interviewing a large cross-section of different people from all, all over the world at the World Center, because it's a melting pot of pretty much everyone from, from everywhere, that there was, a, there was a story there and there was, there was a journey to be had. Basically, to cut a long story short, we, we traveled back to the UK and researched it further and decided that, well, there's a story here and, and why not to, to really present it to, to the world, to, to people that want to hear the stories, is show it from a person's point of view. So I, I decided to kind of act as a thread. You know, the film's certainly not about me. It's more about the kind of the journey of, of a person just kind of openly trying to understand what the Baha'i faith is all about. So... I set off on a, on a quest, I suppose, on a journey to, to five different countries, interviewing people from all different backgrounds, Baha'is, non-Baha'is, and really just kind of got involved and, and made this film about the journey, which was The Wayfarer. 
And you said that the Baha'i World Center was a melting pot of people from all over the world. Why, why is that? Well, I think because it, it, it's representative of um, so many different people from, from so many different kind of countries and, and continents, um, which really impressed me. It was something that really kind of, you know, impressed me about the, the Baha'i World Center and the Baha'i Faith is that, you know, it's this whole this grouping of of amazing people from from the planet really and uh, you know a quote that i came across you know in my readings the bahai faith was i think it was bahala said uh, the earth is but one country and mankind is his citizens and i think essentially the world center is very symbolic and representative of that and it was a very nice place to to start the story of of the film because it was looking at the you know administrative body for Baha'is all around the world and there were Baha'is there serving and and representing the you know the part of the world that they came from and it was yeah it was it was very impressive. How long did it take you to do the Wayfarer film? It was all up close to two years you know it was edited over probably about nine months eight months with the help of others as well it was really quite a collaborative project it was really well received and assisted with Baha'i communities from from the UK, from from America, from India, from also the Baha'i World Center in Israel as well. So I mean, there's lots of people involved to actually bring it to where where it is now as a final film. So you know, it was you know two years of work of kind of collectively working with with everyone. And is it now out for viewing? Yes, it's available um, for order from our website which is questmediaproductions.co.uk. So that's questmediaproductions.co.uk. You started the idea of filming by going down to Morocco and then realizing you could do something more serious by doing a story of the Baha'i faith, and then it migrated to a sort of a wayfarer's journey. Is that Am I depicting it right? Yeah, I guess so. I mean... Morocco is really just the introduction to the idea of, of, of forming a documentary film business from the UK. And it happened to be, we actually shot two different films, which, you know, we worked on a, a story about the separation wall between Palestine and Israel. And so that was something separate. But we shot that while we were out there on our first visit to the Baha'i World Center. I went back a second time to the Baha'i World Center. We were filming something in, this is Alex Headley and I, were filming in, in northern Egypt and also in Cairo, a story about the New Zealand Allied Forces. They were based there during World War II. So that was a separate project. But because we were out there at the same time, I went back to the Baha'i World Center and kind of picked up some more kind of cutaway shots of, of the holy places and spoke to some more people. And then from there, I returned to the UK and then went planned the trip to India, where I went up to India and, and visited the Lotus Temple there. And I managed to meet Sherry Blair, who's wife of the former British Prime Minister. So she happened to be there, which was quite good because publicly she's very well known as being quite openly spoken about interfaith movements. And she's Catholic herself, but um, very open to different religious ideas. So she was a good person to interview at the Lotus Temple. And then I also visited Indore and went to the Bali uh, Women's Institute there which is looking at kind of, it's a development institute for rural 
women of the of kind of central central India teaching them all sorts of skills and it's Baha'i inspired. So it was really nice to look at kind of social economic programs, right to going to kind of holy places, to talking to academics. And then I I managed to bounce across to uh, the United Nations and I went to the um, Baha'i international kind of offices there and I spoke to representatives such as Barney Dugal, they had a look at what Baha'is were doing in New York. So it was a nice kind of introduction to to the you know the American Baha'i community. I was planning a trip to Chicago, but I fell very ill while I was in New York, unfortunately, with a really bad flu. And there was a, a snowstorm of about, I think it was negative 30-something degrees Celsius um, in Chicago. So there were huge snowstorms. It looked like kind of runways were going to be closed. So I, I ended up having to leave America with only footage from from New York, but I mean, I think it, it's it's a nice piece itself. And and then there was interviews in in London as well with the the Baha'i Center here as well. So it's you know a cross section of five different countries with with people from all around the world. And and then there's also an interview in Egypt with uh, a gentleman there who is kind of fighting for Baha'i rights uh, to for recognition there within within the government as Baha'is are denied access to kind of a lot of civil rights in Egypt, being that with education and, and medical and so on. So, yeah, it was, so it's looking at everything from what the Baha'i communities are doing, you know, locally but and at large as well. Now, you mentioned the Lotus Temple in India. So that's a Baha'i house of worship. Can you describe it for us? Oh, it's, it's stunning. It, it's an amazing architectural structure and also as a you know the presence that it holds when you you're inside the the house of house of prayer it's um it's quite quite stunning place quite quite a special place i think i mean it it draws huge crowds i spent about a week there filming and every day it was you know there were thousands and thousands of people visiting every day i mean it's i was told that it has it receives more visitors than the Taj Mahal every year. So it's a very, very popular um, and special place. Can you explain for us why the Baha'is are having such a tough time in Egypt? Well, as far as I know, is it's to do with the historical religious conflict. And unfortunately, the, um, to my point of view, uh, ignorance to, to the actual religion, I think, by those who are kind of leading that area. You know, I think... There's huge problems with, uh, the, you know, not understanding what the Baha'i faith is really about um, and that it's a very peaceful and kind of open religion, especially to all the religions of the world. And I think maybe there's a there's a fear that because it's an effective religion that it may challenge particular religious structure that's in place in countries such as Egypt. Um, I know that there's problems in Iran as well. Yeah, I think it's... Um, it's you know it's it's clear injustices towards human rights and in general it's it shouldn't be like this in this day and age, but unfortunately it seems to be the case in in countries such as Egypt. But there are other religious minorities in Egypt. Why the Baha'is? Well, I think historically, I mean, there's it, it came out of the, the religion was formed in 1844 with the declaration of the Bab, you know, following that of Baha'u'llah's presence being very, very powerful and um, 
forming the Baha'i faith, I think that there was it was seen as a threat to Islam at the time, and possibly this has led to a kind of ingrained conflict there. I think it hasn't been it hasn't been fair at all because you know it, it seems to me that the Baha'is have had has been given a very rough deal in that part of the world when when it shouldn't be that case at all. The Wayfarer was. It was a, it was a fantastic journey. You know, I really enjoyed making the film because of you know all the amazing people that I met and and what I learned during you know during the course of it. So it was it was inspiring, very much inspiring. Now, did you ever become a Baha'i? No, no, I'm not a Baha'i. I'm still I'm still, I suppose, nondescript. <laughs> some say some say agnostic. Um, I, I definitely definitely believe in God, but I just don't. I guess I don't subscribe or I don't I haven't declared to any particular religion as you do declare in the Baha'i faith. I'm still searching, so to speak. Still learning is probably the best way to say right. it. Right. Now the film is called The Wayfarer. Now That's right, it's the you, Wayfarer. Are, are you the Wayfarer in the film? I am the Wayfarer in the film indeed. I um I seem to to travel all over the place, talk to a lot, a lot of people, and yeah, it was, I'm, I'm the one on the journey. Mm-hmm. Yet you focused it on the Baha'i faith, and why was that? Well, it was my introduction to the Baha'i faith, mm-hmm. I guess. Um, it's kind of, it came about in the sense that it was never, the, the film was not originally planned to be the Wayfarer. It was, it was a film that was going to look at the Baha'i World Center through my good friend, uh, Chantal Breda, who was serving there, we thought this was a story, a story to tell. And, and like I said earlier, that w- when we arrived at the Baha'i World Center, we realized that there was you know, a much larger story to be told as a documentary, a film. Um, and I, I really wanted to investigate the Baha'i faith. And I thought, well, what a great way to do it, is make a film about a journey to understand the Baha'i faith. Because the idea was to put something forth that hadn't been done before. Because... As far as we know, there, there hasn't been a film where an individual who's a non-Baha'i has travelled to a set of five countries and, and interviewed a cross-section of lots of different people um, and tried to do it from a very objective point of view. Um, there's, I know there's lots of Baha'i literature and, and, and lots of Baha'i um, media, you know, such as DVDs and films, but most of it is produced um, by Baha'is, where this is not produced by Baha'is at all. It's produced by by Quest Media Productions, being myself. And the idea of it was really just to, to present a film that could show it from that point of view, from, from an outsider's point of view of, of the Baha'i faith was the idea. And, and I was, you know, I was hoping to share it with, with people. When was the film released? Uh, it was officially released in November last year. We had the, the opening here in London and it wasn't really put on sale until probably end of December we started selling the DVD. Um, so it's been accessible to the public since kind of the very end of, of last year. More, I'd say, you know, from December last year it came out. And what project are you doing now? I'm working on a project for uh, a Saudi organization which is looking at kind of at uh, disabilities, uh, specifically the documentary I'm looking at at the moment is learning disabilities, such as dyslexia. And that's something that's in kind of pre-production at the moment. So you're just starting out on your career here? Pretty much, yeah. 
What is your vision for this company that you've started? You know, I, I really like working on uh, positive projects that um, that have you know have a good impact on on society in general, and and I want to grow from that and work on you know on bigger projects, you know, on, on big documentaries. Documentaries is the focus at the moment. I would like to get involved with feature film at some stage. I don't. I think it's a wee way down the track. I'd really like to learn more in the kind of documentary arena. The film is the way we're heading at the moment. So definitely focusing on you know documentary film and, and then other films at a later date. And what is your website again and the site where one can order The Wayfarer? It's www.questmediaproductions.co.uk. And so you just basically you go to that website and the Wayfarer DVD is what you're looking for, and you can place an order directly on the site. The challenges of traveling through the Middle East with all the camera equipment was something that really kind of is a memory that will, will, will stick with me forever, I think. We were kind of carrying seriously heavy kind of tripods and microphones and high-definition cameras and stuff, and, and crossing borders between Egypt and, and Israel is not, not always the easiest, especially when you're carrying professional camera gear. There's always a lot of questions. And we're not press accredited because we don't work for a... We're an independent body. We don't work for, you know, say, a, a national news station or anything. So when you show up at a border like that, you're expected to have lots of different documents to clear you. And when you don't, it causes big problems. And you generally get shuffled between different offices with individuals with from one star to five stars. So you'll have your, you know, your army personnel who will have one star on their shoulder right through to which seems to be the general of, <laughs> of customs, I suppose, will sign a piece of paper and let you through. So you do get through, but it's, there's a lot of red tape when you're filming in these parts. Once you're inside Israel, it's fine filming in Israel, but leaving again is always, always a challenge when you're entering back because we, we cross these borders back and forth and I did it on a couple of occasions, the first time with my friend Alex, and then the second time I went back through Egypt, uh, across by myself at 2 o'clock in the morning, which was frowned upon by the Israelis because they, they detained me and asked me a lot of questions. So that, that was always challenging, but at the end of the day, I got there um, and made it back to the Baha'i World Center for the interviews. So, I mean, there's all those challenges. And we, you know, we filmed in, in Palestine for a separate project when we were there as well, which was quite quite an eye-opening um, experience. You know, we were going to you know military compounds and and interviewing the Palestinian military members and and also on the Israeli side the same again. So that was for me quite an eye-opening experience. And then from going from that to the Baha'i World Center, which is very much a, a utopia, these beautiful gardens and people that are very very open and very worldly and and quite. You know the, the, the spiritual element there is, is amazing. Was very was was a beautiful contrast actually. It was from going from from the hardship to to that was 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 a big shock as well. I think so. Yeah, the, the part of the world was is is beautiful, but at the same time very um very difficult. I think as well. What's the name of the film that you were doing regarding Palestine? The the Holy Land project. Yeah. There's actually there's a ten minute slice of it on online. If you go to Vimeo. Dot com and you just search my name, Jess Firth, you'll come up with, with that. What is the website again? Vimeo, V-I-M-E-O. I think it's dot com. Is that sort of like a YouTube? 
Yeah, it is. It's um, it's more of a they do high definition, and a lot of filmmakers use it because it just you can upload more content to it. It's, it's got a higher kind of upload rate than YouTube. But yeah, in fact, I think if you if you go to my website, there's a link to the the trailer for the Wayfarer, which is played through Vimeo, and it was actually on that same account you can view the ten minute little clip there. How long did it take you to get to the border? Well, it's about five hours. Mm, that's, <laughs> yeah, five, that's a half a day. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's a good part of the day. And I mean, it's, it should really, it's, you just walk across normally. Um, but when you're with camera equipment, it's, it's a bit more difficult. But I, you know, the thing was when, when I made the Wayfarer, I, you know, went to places like India by myself as well, you know, so I kind of, I went out there and I had to carry all the gear everywhere, which is, you know, it's quite a lot of camera equipment. So basically when I'm, in front of the camera interviewing, the camera's always on a tripod and I've got someone on sound, you know, and if the camera's being carried, I've quite often someone, one of the Baha'i volunteers would help me shoot something. So usually I'd try and find someone with a media background who knew how, how to hold a camera. So a lot of it's very indie in that sense, but um, it's come off quite well. And then if I'm not in front of the camera, I'm behind it shooting the landscape shots. There's a lot of kind of iconic imagery through the film that's, you know, shot there. So... Um, we shot it all in full HD, which means it's you know it's quite it looks quite nice as a as a film. But yeah, no, it's um it was a you know pretty amazing experience making it. Now, did you hire a car or did you? Yeah, I drove from Alat up through part of the West Bank and then to Jerusalem and then from Jerusalem to Haifa and then back again, and that was all within probably about thirty six hours on that second trip. I went back just for a day's filming. Oh my gosh. <laughs> So it was quite quite mad, um, <laughs> but very exciting yeah. at the same time. Actually, um, I, I got a taxi from the bottom of Sinai to get to the, the Taba border, which is between Taba and Alat, crossing into Israel. And we were driving down this road at like, you know, one or between one and two in the morning. And this guy was, you know, he's driving at ridiculous speeds through Sinai. And this herd of camels came flying out of nowhere um, across the road. And we, we, he swerved and we, the whole car fishtailed across this kind of gravel, you know, side road. And he, he was, he was praying in Arabic, you know, quite loudly. <laughs> and I was half as, like kind of at the time, half awake, you know, cause I was quite tired from traveling all day. You know, these, and this herd of camels just came flying across the road and then down this kind of this, this ravine. It was unbelievable. It was amazing. So it was kind of my life flashed before my eyes. <laughs> but wow. yeah, just funny memories, you know, of, of, yeah. of traveling. To be out in, the, in, the, in these parts of the world, but yeah, it's um, it's, it was it was good fun. Will you be traveling to Saudi Arabia? Um, yeah, I I actually had a call today saying that my visa's been cleared, so I should be going there um, anytime soon. The dates will be probably be in the next week or two. So that'll be new for you, right? Yeah, yeah, it will be. It'll be really interesting, I think. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. And what other projects do you have in the works? Well, there's a project, that the film that we were making in North Africa about the Allied forces, I'm interested in developing further and looking at kind of more of a feature-length documentary. Uh, my friend Alex Headley, who I, who's part of Quest Media Productions, he's been back in New Zealand. He's just released a book about the camp, the base camp called Māori Camp for New Zealand Allied forces that were there. There were 76,000 soldiers based there during World War Two, and which for New Zealand, the population of New Zealand is 4 million now. Back then it was probably about 1.6 million. So a large proportion of, of our people were there 
fighting in an allied war, which was something that we were kind of called up to do. No one's really told a story about it. So it's something that, you know, a project that I'd quite like to, to work on further as a you know, more feature-length documentary. I guess I'd like to find out from you, Jess, now that you've heard about the Baha'i Faith and ran into the Baha'i Faith, has it in any way changed any perspective in you? I think certainly, yeah. I think, uh, I mean, I grew up in a family which is largely atheist and agnostic, and I was open-minded to religion, I'd say, but not as open-minded as, as I am now after kind of my, my, my encounter, I suppose, my time spent with, with Baha'is from all around the world. And, you know, I'm much more fascinated by religion in general after, after making this film. So, I mean, it was, it was very inspiring, you know, meeting Baha'is and, and hearing their, their personal stories and learning about the Baha'i faith. You know, I have a lot of you know, admiration for you know the, the core principles of the faith, and I think there's you know there's a lot of there's a lot of good there. So, you know, I was really impressed by by everything I came across while I was making the film. So yeah, I think yeah, I think it has it has had a pr- profound effect on on my my outlook in many ways. I mean, I I don't choose to join the Baha'i faith, but I I certainly consider myself a friend of the Baha'is, if you put it that way. But I think it's it's one of those things in life that uh, everyone's on on a journey and everyone's on a, on a pathway and and you 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 choose to walk walk certain paths at certain points in time. So for me, where I am at the moment is um, as someone who respects the Baha'i faith. Well, I look forward to seeing the Wayfarer and your other films in the future. Well, thank you very much, Warren. It's it's been a pleasure talking to you. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Jess Firth one of the founders of Quest Media Productions, which produced the film The Wayfarer, documenting his investigation of the Baha'i Faith. Now I'd like to play the audio from the trailer for The Wayfarer. Just over one year ago, I decided to investigate something I knew nothing about. 
This all came about when a good friend I'd known since my high school days informed me she had chosen to dedicate 18 months of her life as a volunteer at the Baha'i World Center in Haifa, Israel. Immediately, I was intrigued by this. Personally, coming from a background of no formal religious education and being brought up by a family of agnostics and atheists, I was removed from the world of religion and, to be completely honest, relatively skeptical of its relevance and motives within society. Having my friend on the inside as a follower was my chance to dig deeper and attempt to understand the notion of religion. Specifically learning about this particular religion was my goal. So I set out on a journey in search of answers to find out what the Baha'i Faith is and what it is actively doing to make this world a better place. read all you want about a religion but um, until you you come along you ask people the questions of, of why they've chosen to become Baha'i or um, question, and you question yourself as well but I'm not here with this kind of ulterior motive to kind of go one way or the other I'm, just, yeah, yeah. I'm trying to understand, understand. What yeah about. yeah <laughs> exactly yeah you can find Activities of the Baha'is everywhere in Pakistan, in Malaysia. It's a world religion, isn't it? Yeah, it's world religion. You no, know, I'm talking about Islamic countries. Right. But here, this is a problem. Maybe in the other countries, you're not asking about your religion. That's why the problem is not there. For example, in Sudan, as I heard, they are not having religion in the ID. Okay, so. So nobody will ask you what's your religion. So not here, it's very here, here it is essential. You see, as a, as a Baha'i, we have to obey the government. We are obeying the government. Since 1960 till 2004, they said we sh you should not talk about the this case. Okay, we are not talking. After this court case, the government itself start talking about the Baha'is. All the papers, they start talking about the Baha'is. And we have to defend ourselves, just to tell the people we are not bad citizens. Yeah, you're just a citizen like everyone else. That's all. Want to be, so they, they, they invite us for a talk in different papers, in uh, different TV channels. We are talking like this. We are not opposing the government. We are obeying the government. And we are not proclaiming about the Baha'i Faith. We are proclaiming about our rights. We said we want our rights as an Egyptian. This point of modern-day persecution really hit a nerve with me. I was taken aback that in this day and age, people's fundamental rights are being obstructed based on what they believe. So I decided in order to give a credible account of the challenges Baha'is face, I needed to visit the United Nations headquarters in New York. There's a, there's a mutual respect there. Community being very involved, I think, 
in communities at large. Uh, I think unlike possibly a lot of other religions in the past, not pointing the finger at anyone, there seems to be a, you know, more of a, a closed door with some communities with other religions. And this, this isn't the case, I think, with the Baha'is. The Baha'is are very open to, to sharing and caring, if you want to put it that way, or being open to other, other members of society and, and other cultures. So definitely the doors are open. I was impressed to learn the Baha'i International Community has had consultative status at the United Nations since its formation, and previously they were involved with the League of Nations. history of the Baha'i faith, some 30,000 or so people were put to death, early followers of the faith were put to death, uh, because it spread like wildfire. It was a really a very powerful and uh, effective movement, which the uh, particular rulers and leaders of Persia at that time wanted to stamp out, because they were all feeling very threatened by it. India is a nation that has the largest Baha'i community in the world, with approximately 2.2 million followers residing there. Seeing I had now been in contact with Baha'is in Europe, America, North Africa and the Middle East, it was time to visit the community in Asia. and respect faith, then we are losing something that's about the essence of nature sure. of a human being. Exactly. And that's very, very important to me and I think to the world. And the message we have to promote is that faith is a really uh, positive thing, which is why the social programs that the Baha'i do are so important. Because actually, in the end, faith is not just about abstract spirituality. It's about the practical implementation of that spirituality in the way you react with others.
The next piece is an interview between Jess Firth and Cherry Blair, the wife of former British Prime Minister Tony Blair, at the Baha'i House of Worship in Delhi, India. You hear the water fountains in the background as Jess interviews Ms. Blair. The chant beforehand is of the words of Baha'u'llah in English. O son of being, my love is my stronghold. He then entered therein, is safe and secure. And he that turneth away shall surely stray and perish. O son of being, my love is my stronghold. He that entereth therein is safe and secure. So what are your thoughts towards the Baha'i Faith in general? Because they're quite proactive and involved in community building projects on a global scale. Um, here in India they're involved in social economic development programs and internationally they're involved in them also. Um, is this something that you want to see more of being captured possibly in the media? Because the media doesn't cover the Baha'i Faith um, very comprehensively, one could say. Well, I, I would say that the media doesn't cover faith comprehensively at all and often that the media would give the impression that faith is something rather odd or, or a quaint historical accident or a culturally interesting um, behavior and what they're not grasping is the, is the living passion that actually it lies at the heart of, of faith. So the spiritual concept possibly. The, spirit, the spiritual concept and the, the real meaning it gives to people's lives. And how do you think we can advance our civilization through the implementation of spiritual awareness within society? I think it's a really important issue because if we don't understand and respect faith then we are losing something that's about the essence of the nature sure. of a human being. Excellent. And that's very, very important to me and I think to the world and the message we have to promote is that faith is a really uh, positive thing which is why the social programs that the Baha'i do are so important because actually in the end faith is not just about abstract spirituality it's about the practical implementation of that spirituality in the way you react with others and interact Brilliant. with others. Thank you very much for your time Mrs. Blair. That's a pleasure. Thank you. Thank very you. nice to meet you. Nice Thank you. Meet Cheers. You All the best. Namo tassa bhagavato arhato Samma sambuddhasa Buddham saranam gachami Dhammam saranam gachami Sangham charanam gachami Dutiyambi buddham saranam gachami Dutiyambi sangham charanam gachami Dutiyambi dhammam saranam gachami I hope you enjoyed that interview with Jess Firth, producer of the film The Wayfarer, 
that documents his investigation of the Baha'i faith. You can order the film at his website, questmediaproductions.co.uk. For a copy of this and other interviews, you can go to the website www.abahaiperspective.com. For information specifically on the Baha'i faith, you can go to the website www.baha'i.org or you can call the toll-free number 1-800-22-UNITE. I hope you'll join me next time on A Baha'i Perspective.
O Son of Spirit, the best beloved of all things in my sight is justice. Turn not away therefrom if thou desirest me, and neglect it not that I may confide in thee. By its aid thou shalt see with thine own eyes, and not through the eyes of others, and shalt know of thine own knowledge, and not through the knowledge of thy neighbor. Ponder this in thy heart, how it behooveth thee to be. Verily justice is my gift to thee, and the sign of my loving kindness. Set it then before thine eyes.
Great is the blessedness of him that hath drawn nigh unto it, and heard its roaring. This is WXOJLP Northampton, 103.3 FM.